Hello, this is Aaron Cooter, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. That was good. He's on a streak. Good. It's like four or five in a row with that. I know. No clippy. No clippy. I think he's got the, the, the perfect distance away from the microphone. He's settled into his new surroundings now. That's right. Yeah. Still, still need shit on the walls now, but yeah. Don't put shit on the walls. No, it's hard to get. Well, not actual shit. It's not. It's not a. It's not a John Waters film, but it, it's. Oh it's, yeah! Now you're talking my language. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you know? I I didn't even know they, they um. There's a. Of course you know about this, but it, well, it came out a couple weeks ago. I spit on your grave. Deja vu. Excuse me. Oh shit! Stop playing. I know something, dude. I I, I just I looked at the. I, I looked at the the, uh, the synopsis real quick, and I guess it's like forty years later, and I guess she and her daughter go to talk to the families or something. But yeah, it's 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 I spit on your grave, deja vu, and it came out in April. Wow, I I know nothing about this. It's on what Netflix? I spit on your grave, deja vu, nineteen twenty nineteen film 40 years after a woman gets revenge on her attacker she faces the wrath of the families of the men she killed she and her daughter are kidnapped and have to face off against a gang of degenerates overseen by a violently unhinged matriarch it was released on april 23rd hmm. so weird i'm i'm not trying to be a dick but i'm just trying to understand how you went from john waters to i spit on your grave uh the only the, the only <laughs> Is is the fact that uh, they one is a a director who makes movies you enjoy and one is a movie you enjoy. That's, oh, that, that, okay. Because I there's a spinoff or a sequel to. Well, the there, you in the original there is Dick biting off, and I guess yeah. there is Dick cutting off in Waters films. So the original and yeah. probably since I first saw it, I don't that, that wasn't a movie I really revisited too often. No, I don't like the original. I spit on your grave. I think it's a horrible movie. Just because of the way it's... No, I just don't... I think it's... Uh, exploitation is mm -hmm. great up until a certain level. Once it reaches a crescendo, like, let's get a woman, um, Camilla Keaton, and we'll show her nude the entire movie, and she gets raped over and over and over. Like, that, to me, is not entertainment. You know, if it was, like, slutty biker chicks... That's exploitation, but when you when you get into the rape and the real stuff, I'm a little bit. I, I don't. I know. I hesitate to call it entertainment. I believe they even brought Keaton back to reprise the role. Yikes! That's great. I mean, it's wonderful that she gets revenge on her tormentors and the people that violated her. I'm all for that. But right. it's just there was a little bit too much, and, and she signed on, so she agreed to it. She knew what she was getting into. Okay, whatever. But there's just a little bit. It's it's too the fantasy um, aspect of it evaporates and it just becomes too freaking real. And I don't want to deal with that. That's not right. fun. It's not fun for me. I didn't realize it took them so long to come out with the sequels. Well, they re they redid the movie in in what twenty. Well, in twenty thirteen there was an I spit on twenty ten. They did the first one. 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so these these two sequels are from based on the 2010. Oh, great. Okay. Hi everybody. Well, yeah, there you go. It's it's not the scummy movie cast. It's 11 o'clock yeah. comics. Mm -hmm. What? Episode 606. 
It's a palindrome episode. This is my favorite kind. I like it. And I am, what do you know, Vince B? Oh, I do know Vince B. And I was actually trying to bring it back to my wall because even though it's not technically on my wall, it's on the closet door, I have, I had to take a picture of it, post it to the group because it was a gift. It is the old 80s style DC comic shop poster with Superman bursting through the wall, DC Comics on sale here. And I stare at that while we record until I actually put the framed art on the wall. But I am David A. Price. Rumor has it that's true. Uh, but uh, far more importantly, Uh-oh. I'm someone you can't call Tattletale. Don't call me Avatar. Best not call me Ego Spawn. You really better not call me Psylord. But you can call me Powerhouse. Because I'm Franklin Richards. He never follows through with. He never does. He, he never, never does, does no. bro. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Because he said next episode too. I know. Maybe oh, he meant in a week. <laughs> you are I, not. He had one job. <laughs> <laughs> really? You show up for one. Just show up, be smart, and be somebody else. <laughs> you are okay. not so the oft annoying Franklin Very. Richards. You, you would think with a hot mom. A brilliant hot mom and a wonderfully uh, capable father. He would be not annoying, but he is. Uh, you're not Franklin Richards. You are Jason Wood, everybody. I don't know the name, but he's a very handsome devil. Yeah, you know that. Who looks like Vince? That was that that Revenant. Oh yeah, and, and Jody were, were watching. That's okay. Uh. That's okay. And this long-winded introduction and the rest of the episode has been brought to you by our butamous patrons. Yep, those people that support us month in and month out and love us and we love them and it's just one big old happy EOC extended family. And you can get in on the fun if you go to um, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. That's a one one and no apostrophe. Join the fun. I apologize for the break in the cover art of the day. It will resume tomorrow. I'm just going to take steps to make sure that um, there's a whole lot of stuff backloaded into it because <laughs> I forget, you know, I forget when how many things I've set up and then when they expire, I'm like, oh, I got about another two weeks left and I don't, it's, you know, I get in the hole, so to speak. And mm. we are currently posting our previews videos. Jason did yeah. his and Dap and I will have one up there very, very soon. Very atypical month for me. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No Marvel, no DC catalogs at all. Nothing. Oh, they, don't, you... they don't make an appearance in my oh, previous video. Nope. Oh, a... so 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 no collections or nothing this time around. Um, no, no, I don't think so. But there are a number of OGNs that I'm spotlighting. Excellent. Yes, and I bet you, Jason. I didn't watch Jason's yet. <clears throat> Uh, but I, I bet we would pick a bunch of the same ones. Probably. We're going to see. I'm, We're I'm gonna stoked. Because so i got to do mine, and then I'll watch your all. Oh, and see? Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to cross-pollinate. No, but um, while well, we we'll, we'll, we can take care of some of the business up front, speaking of Patreon, uh, the post for our theme episode mm-hmm. is up and running. Uh, so for the patrons who are eligible at that tier... Uh, they are in the midst of having a little conversation as to what they're going to pick for our theme episode. Uh, 
um, that we will be we will have shortly-ish. Uh, and we also have until uh, voting is open until Wednesday, I believe, till tomorrow. Two days left to vote. So yes, Wednesday. Uh, the book of the month for May is currently being voted on. And uh, your choices this month, this time around, uh, include The Death of Captain Marvel, The Demon from the Darkness, The Golden Age, Green Arrow, The Archer's Quest, Lazarus, Volume 1, Sabrina, Spider-Man, Marvel Team-Up by Claremont and Byrne, Suicide Squad, Volume 1, Trial by Fire, Superman, Infinite City, (laughs) The Wicked and the Divine, Volume 1, The Faust Act, and Will Eisner's The Spirit, Volume 1, The Spirit Returns. A lot of colons and commas this month. Yeah, well, nothing wrong with a colon. No. Let you keep it clean. Yes. And I'm a, I'm a moron. You know what I just did? What you just did? A little while ago, I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. And some of the peanut butter, I did not know this, was in the side of my, my little mustache thing here going mm. on. And I, so I, snack while you're eating? I scratched like, my face. Oh. And then I just rubbed my eye. So now I have okay. peanut butter in my eye. And it's very painful. I bet. I'm, I'm tearing up. Mm. I'm tearing up here, like fried green tomatoes. Mm. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so what y'all drinking? You mixed it up last time, so I, I need you to go first this time. All right. Oh, truth. This time around. Yeah, I'm drinking um, from Victory. I'm drinking some Hop Wallop, which is the very last bottle of Hop Wallop. And then I am going to try something I have never um, indulged in before. Uh, and you two tell me if it's any good. Molson Triple X. That's a beer. Molson Triple X Super Premium Beer, seven point three percent alcohol by volume. That's that's the. I don't know what this is. I mean, I, I found a six pack of it in my garage on the side of the road. Oh. No, yeah, it was, oh, there's one beer on the side of the road. Give <laughs> it that there. No, the I, caps are open, but it looks like beer. I think it was given to me in the beer trade off. For Christmas with m- oh, okay. my brother's-in-law. Okay. So, right, right, right. Yeah. I'm going to try it. We'll see if it's any good. But I'm currently... Your gift gives it two stars. Oh, no. Out of three? Out of, out of five. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Shit, it's not looking good for the triple X. <laughs> Wait, who did who did that, Jason? Beer Advocate. Oh, okay. I, I thought you could say the Beer Advocate. I thought we were going to chime um, check with the NC boys. Oh, right. yeah. No. That might be too hoity-toity for them. They might want to stick with the micro stuff. Yeah, I can I can hear them turning their noses up in this conversation <laughs> right now. Oh, uh, what are you drinking, Jason? Uh, I'm drinking an old favorite. It's uh, it's rainy and cold, and the markets were shitty today, so I fell into a uh, a bottle of uh, Clos de los Siete, the uh, Argentinian table wine that we drink a lot around these these here parts. I like the way you think. That's I your that's your security uh, blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went with a uh, golden oldie as well. Tonight is uh, some Mato Backbone Cabernet Sauvignon. Ah, very Domo nice. Domo Arigato, Mr. Mato. I hate that song. You do? I fucking hate that song. <laughs> you, don't, you don't hate any art. How do you hate that? There are, there are a few songs, the very first chord or note of which incenses me. One is, I hate everything by the band Live. But especially that that song <laughs> that comes. I know. I don't care. It's it's a black mark on our state. But <laughs> that that one song when you hear the guitar strumming, 
I want to reach through the radio and throttle the guy. Wow. I, just, I hate them. The other is Mr. Roboto. So and basically anything sticks, but Mr. Roboto in particular, I cannot stand. If you oh. want, if I'm ever, if I ever in, am, am in the ring and I'm fighting, just put Mr. Roboto on and I will destroy my opponent. I don't care if he's like 100, 200 pounds wow. more than me. I hate that song. That's fascinating. Yes, I hate it. And I don't like to say hate when it comes mm-hmm. to art, right? But I just, I very All much right. dislike it. Well, before we talk the comics, I assume you weren't on Twitter today, Vince? Oh, yeah, sure. No, I I wasn't. No, okay. So there's a little Twitter viral thing going on right now where people name six musical acts, five of which they've actually seen, and one they have not. Oh, Oh, okay. I I could not participate. That sucks. Okay. I think Dap's already seen these, so he can't participate. So I'm going to give you. I've done it twice. No, I just mean I can't can't make my own poll. Oh, I don't think think I've seen five five, five acts. Yeah. So I'm going to give you my two so far, Vince. I've done two different posts. See if you can guess it, okay? Yeah, sure. First one. I've seen five of these six groups live. Okay. A Tribe Called Quest. Yes. Beastie Boys. Yes. De La Soul. Yes. Ice Cube. Yes. LL Cool J. Ooh. Snoop Dogg. I have to pick the one you you haven't seen. The Lie. I'm looking for the lie. You're looking for the lie, yeah. De La Soul. Incorrect. Oh, you saw them, you bastard. Yes. Oh, I like them. (laughs) LL Cool J. Oh, okay. okay. Rock the bells. The this, this is going to be harder for you, I think. Okay, ready? Yep. Okay, 311. Three <laughs> I know. <J. laughs> okay. Great. I, don't, all right. Save your <laughs> laughter until after, please. But it's the two, that's a yes and a yes for those two. You okay. have seen them. I know this. Luscious Jackson. All right. The Mighty Mighty Boston's. Okay. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Stone Temple Pilots. See, the one I would almost immediately go for is Nick Cave because that's far too good for your tastes. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. Um, wow. That is an asshole thing to say. I know. I'm an asshole. Um, I'm going to go with Luscious Jackson. Eh. Wow. Who was and, it? And, and, and screw you. I have seen Nick Cave in the Bad Seat. Thank wow. you very much. Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, I thought that was a gimme. Hasn't everybody seen them nope, back in the day? Nope. So you want me to do one? Sure. If you, okay. if you do one off the top of your head. Yeah. I can definitely do one off the top of my head. Okay. Um, Boston, Rush, Alice Cooper, Kiss. How many is we have to give you? F- a five? Six. Okay. Six. Flaming Lips and Faster Pussycat. Okay. Which one's the lie? Dap and I both guess before you tell us. Um, I'm going to say... Oh man, uh, I would have thought you saw all these. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with one that probably I'm gonna go with Boston. Okay. Run them down again. Boston. All right. What did I Rush. say? Boston Rush, Rush um, Faster Alice Pussycat, Cooper. Alice Cooper, right. Flaming Lips, and um, who else did I say? Kiss. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I know a couple of those for a fact that you have, so it's harder for me to narrow it down. I, uh, I'm wrong, but I, I'm going to guess Faster Pussycat. Both of you are wrong. Yeah. I have never seen Flaming Lips in concert. I have. How about that? Yeah. Doesn't that suck? I've never That's seen it. I could have sworn you have. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, I put it in there just to, 
to sway you because yeah, no, you would have did, thought did. that I, I, you know, right? Because I love them so much, but and I no, have, yeah. haven't crazy. haven't seen them. I saw them at Lollapalooza way back in the day. Jason, your first list may, or second list made me want to cry because I I regret never making the effort to see Beastie Boys. Uh, I've seen them three times. God, I, I I'm envious. On two continents, saw them in Ireland as, as well. Yeah, and uh, for the record. The triple X gets one star. Ooh. Yeah, it, it's it's swell. <laughs> well, it's also been in your garage for an inordinate amount of time. So, <laughs> well, in the refrigerator, in the refrigerator. Oh right. Yeah, which could still be. It's swell. a fun little game, right? It's a lot of people have been doing it. It's fun. I like it. I like it a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's fun to play with people's minds because I think they they assume they know you or your tastes, and then they're right. like, "Oh." What I should have put on my list was Frank Zappa. Actually, no, I could I could play. Wait, you've it, never seen Frank Zappa? No. Nope. Wait, what? Nope. Is that because he stopped performing? or it, it, No, it's because I'm lazy. And and he would play Binghamton every year. You've seen so much. I see, know. I would understand that like Dap. Like Dap's not a concert goer. So that, but but you, you've you seen a ton of music. In I life. know. And I've I had chances to go. Many opportunities to That's go. That's crazy and to I, me. I never that was did. very surprising. Yep. Right? So I should just put that I'm surprised one. how many groups I have seen. It's... It, it it re- it reminds me of how I went to concerts all the time when I was young before I had kids. Same, and that just it slowed down so much since I've had yeah. kids. Well, I mean, as the bands I truly love stopped touring or toured infrequently, there there are some bands that I you know I don't care about the contemporary stuff. Yeah, I'll, I make every opportunity to go see Manson, right, and and Rob Zombie mm-hmm. when they play because I love them. But there's not a whole lot of bands, the, 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 you know today that i want to make the effort to see uh i don't know man i i always love i mean i, I love concerts like i'll go to a concert any chance i get hmm. the, the only one i've ever actively said no to is billy joel ah the man that's not interesting enough for a biopic <laughs> Damn. There you go. that's what he said he said it himself. Yeah, he's not. Well, I, I, I think that right? the, the presence of Christy Brinkley would make the biopic very much watchable. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and one more, one more word before we talk about the comics. Uh, also, Patreon related. It is time again to start um, our our semi monthly process of the care packages. So uh, it's that time again. We'll be posting a list of those due packages uh, for you noobs out there. Um, if you think you do one and you don't see your name when we list it, by all means, just reach out. There's a good chance that I somehow missed you in the uh, spreadsheet because it's uh, it's a little tricky to keep track of like the rolling because people come off, people come on. But either way, um, we'll uh, we'll be getting that rolling here in the next couple weeks. Nice, fun times, indeed. Yes. So, what's floating your collective boats? Well, I. You of all people, meaning you, Vince, you are the living embodiment of the three of us in terms of the cyclicality of your yes reading habits. Mm-hmm. You'll write off an entire publisher for two years and then years, yes, rediscover how awesome <laughs> they are, like your new fifty-two to rediscovery last week. Um, and that's fine. That's cool. Uh, I don't know that I tend to be as dramatic in that regard as you, but there are still cycles to all of our reading cadences. And for me, right now, um, I just it's it feels like although i'm reading and i'd say generally enjoying a lot of marvel and dc ongoing books i 
I, I'm feeling a little bit in a rut with them where I feel like they're fine, but they just feel like more of the same, right? Like, it's just yeah. like, okay, yeah, like, I've cool, like, I like the character, okay, cool, that was good, you know, and it's, 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 and I don't want to say this as a condemnation or some grand proclamation. I'm just saying that, that lately I've noticed as I compile my list for what to talk about, the things that are getting me excited that I'm, that I'm hyped to, to share are collected editions or non-Big 2 stuff. It just seems that way right now. Same. Um, but again, I have a list, as you guys know, we on Slack, we post stuff that we read. I have a list, a litany of, of Marvel and DC stuff I'm reading, and a lot of it I have good things to say about. It's just that uh, I feel like the list is getting larger and larger because I just never feel compelled to lead with that stuff and say, oh, we have to talk about that. Um, so at some point, we're gonna, I just I have to do a speed round or something, just knock a bunch of that out because I just don't know that I have a lot of stuff to say about some of these, but some were good. Some, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. But I was going to ask either of you because we hadn't talked about this since the first issue, and I read six issues this week. Have any of y'all given Fantastic Four another chance? No. Can't speak for that, but no. No, I, I have been asked to. I haven't yet. Okay. Well, again, it's a short episode. They're going to keep it short and sweet. I read the first seven. Well, no, no. I read the second. I read issues two through seven of this of the dance lot, the current run. We talked about the first issue way back. Um, and I, I have to say, I think maybe... I, I don't remember why the first issue put me off to the point where I thought, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not going to run back at this. I, I thought it, it feels a lot like the Fantastic Four. I mean, I thought it was, it was pretty good. It, I, I mean, um, it, it's a lot's happened in the fir- in the first seven issues. You, you get them back, you, you get them back, but first you, you see them in, in a bunch of, uh, multiverses. That's why I led with introducing his Franklin Richards. So he's calling himself powerhouse now. And, they have been gone for the Fantastic Four and the Future Foundation have been gone for five years in our time. So Valeria and Franklin are teenagers now. And they're much more adept at their powers. Valeria is now openly calling herself the most intelligent woman on Earth. Um, And Franklin is back to being the Franklin we remember that led to um, you know like onslaught and stuff. He basically is almost omnipotent. So if you recall the FF left after the whole, um, uh, secret wars. Yeah. Where the, all the multiverses were destroyed and we were, well, they were each multiverse was, was eating each other and everything. And Franklin is so powerful. He's creating universes, um, on the fly. Like every day he creates a new universe with the help of the Molecule Man who's been traveling with them. And then they explore and document that universe. And then they start again. And I thought, wow, that, that is crazy. I mean, that is an insane amount of power to have, right? I mean, that's like celestial being elder of the universe level power. So it's interesting that they jump right into that and they're exploring all these different worlds. And then uh, a being known as Entropy, who is part of the whole Chaos Order, you know, uh, one of those... Uh, grand concepts turned into uh, a physical manifestation 
uh, comes across them and says, y'all can't do this. It's not how it works. And entropy starts destroying the universes. So in essence, Franklin, over the period of five years, creates billions upon billions upon billions of worlds and lives. And then they're destroyed in a heartbeat from entropy uh, until they can figure out a way to outfox her. I say her because they draw the entropy is drawn as a woman. Um, all that happens, and essentially, they it runs its course, and then in in one of the, one of the things they have to do to, to defeat entropy is they call all of the Fantastic Four to help them. So that's where Johnny and Ben are reunited with them. But they don't just call them; they call anybody that's ever been associated with the Fantastic Four. So you've got Ghost Rider and Spidey and Wolverine and She-Hulk and uh, Sharon Carter and uh, the whole – anybody you can think of that's had a cameo, Herbie, all of them. And they all, they all join in the battle and then they settle, the, they settle that beef. And then they, they say, OK, it's time to head back to Earth. So they go back to Earth and the MacGuffin where Slot clears the deck is he leaves the Future Foundation, which is all those kids, uh, Alex Power, Artie Leach. Um, the Moloids, uh, Dragon Man is their professor. He leaves all of them in the, the universes that the multiverse because they are trying to find Molecule Man. Molecule Man, something happens to him during the first arc, and and they're not sure if he's dead or just missing. So they agree they're going to hang out and try and find him, um, which is a MacGuffin. It's just to basically clear the decks of all those characters for now, uh, and then they come back to Earth and they start the next arc, which is. Uh, and and slots treading no new ground here, but it's it's his own spin on it. It's Galactus has come to Earth, and this time Doom Galactus is set up in Latveria, and Doom is trying to to vanquish him uh, in his own very Doomian way. So uh, you know n- nothing that happened is is uh, groundbreaking, but I thought that uh, I I think slots got a good handle on them now. I think after getting them after the kludgy way he had to get them all back together, I. I think the the energy between them and the, the it's it's a family focused book and the love and the, the it's 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 been upbeat and positive and science forward and imaginative and so I I give it I give it a thumbs up so far um, I think it's through nine or ten issues are out already so I've I still have a few that I haven't read but but yeah it's 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 cool again it's not I'm not sitting here saying oh my god FF's back it's it's the best book. It's it's the greatest comic on, on the on the planet again, but but uh, but I I don't know for some reason I feel like maybe I don't know what it was when it first came back it was harsh on my groove I think it's okay I do oh well, part of it was that the Fantastic Four didn't show up until well after the first issue yeah yeah um it just and I think there were parts of um uh, the art that really wasn't working for us but the Pacelli are right yeah um, yeah there's been a lot of artists because i should have said too issue number five of this is the ben Grimm alicia wedding which is actually four it's an oversized issue with four i think four different stories within it mike allred does a story uh and it's where cooter cooters that's the first issue that cooters involved with and then he became the ongoing artist for the next few issues. Is so. he still on the book? I think he left. Like, I think he's off now. I, I'm he's, he was the artist on the last few issues that I read, but I have a feeling he's gone on to something else. Cause we were just, I felt like we were just talking about Cooter being solicited on something, but 
Hmm. Yeah, like I said, listen, it's it's it's. I'm not sure it's enough to to tell you guys, hey, you got to dust off your Fantastic Four love and get back in it. But I don't know. I thought it was it was it was it was all right. And I don't I don't mind Valeria and and Franklin as teenagers. I don't mind that at all. That's about time. Well, you know, Hickman notwithstanding, I think Fantastic Four is and and uh, Amazing Spider-Man are two of the easiest books to write. Anyone can write a good Fantastic Four story or a good Amazing Spider-Man story. It's not everyone has a great one in them, right? And that's the thing. These these characters have been around forever. A by-the-numbers Fantastic Four story is still good, right? I mean, these are characters we we know and love for, for decades. So I'm not surprised that Slot is writing a good book. I just don't think it's a great book. I, I don't think there's anything exceptional about it is what I was – saying after the first i think i read two three issues it didn't uh, as far as i got but i mean if you just plug in those characters they can basically write a decent story themselves it's just how do you put a a a, a new or a unique spin on fantastic four it's been the team has been done to death by the best writers in the business it's it's like superman Right? You can, anybody can write a decent Superman story, a readable Superman story. It's like, how do you write a great Superman story after all these issues? It's tough. And I don't think Dan has the, I don't think Dan Slott is a singularity. Alan Moore is a singularity. Yeah, I'll even give it to Morrison. I'll give it to Warren Ellis. Like these guys are very unique in the way they approach each project. Their, their voice is, is, audible uh through the whatever narrative they're writing you can tell for most part a warren ellis story dan slot is just he just writes good stories but there's no dan slot method i think there's no dan slot voice it, he's i don't think he's unique enough for fantastic four is what i'm saying i guess not yeah, to I shit on fair. him yeah not no, to shit fair. i mean he's a very good writer i mean we've we've read he he had a, an awesome amazing spider-man run mm-hmm. and and but there wasn't there was it was just inventive, but it, it wasn't anything that's unique to himself, right? He did a great job on Spider-Man. I'll give him that, but I don't think he has that that overpowering um, uniqueness to him that that I think Fantastic Four needs. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, it's I should also note that um, he has them living in the Things apartment for Yancey Street because while they were gone the a team called the Fantastics with an X uh, bought the building and are <laughs> operating out of it now and, and they say well that's fine you guys can have it um, so yeah again like, it's not like, they've lost the building before right that's not like it, right. it, it's all and and I will say that that where I do give slot credit is the Fantastics are a group of, of four that were the, the libertines back when we had the initiative Avengers, the initiative when, you know, each state had its own team, mm-hmm. the libertines were one of the, were one of the groups and, uh, based in Pennsylvania. And it was, uh, 2d iceberg hope and miss America. And, uh, they've been rebranded here, the fantastics. And it is, um, it's, this, it's 2d hope iceberg 
and Miss Fantastics now instead of America. So I, I like when you you dust off the the D and the C list uh, characters rather than just creating a bunch of new ones. I, I like that. So sure, I do th- for me. I think Marvel missed the boat a little bit that in that extended period when Fantastic Four was off the map. I think what they should have done was exactly what slot did in the first couple issues or whatever have the fantastic four exploring all these new universes created by franklin slot or whoever wrote it could have generated a shit ton of new characters and then when entropy came in to destroy it save the 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 fan favorite characters and bring them into the marvel universe like you could have gen- mm-hmm. it could have been an ip generator for for marvel and then in the first issue of the relaunched book have them all coming to like bring ben and johnny into it in the 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 interim series and then mm. when they re- revamped the book where all the four are together that's where the new series should have started you know mm-hmm. having having ben and johnny off the the somewhere else mm. while we see reed and sue that's not fantastic four right that that's that's only half of the equation so i don't know i just think it could have been approached far more elegantly than it was Hey, they're back. Uh, no, they're not. Not yet, anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was my feeling on the entry. But one thing from having read Fantastic Four for as long as we all have, there was always one storyline that made me groan, and it was the potential loss of the Baxter building. Whenever they would go <laughs> down that road, I'd be like, oh, God. Because it's not the building that's important. Hey, bless, bless you, you, baby. It, it's it's not the building that's important. It's the family that's important. The book is founded on family. Family could live in a barn. They could live in a cave or in a super high-tech Baxter building. Like well, the, lo- it, the location of the family doesn't really matter. In that vein, then, you should give Slot credit because that's the stance he's taking. They, they, when, they, when they're told that they don't own the Baxter building anymore, literally in a panel or two, they said, oh, that's cool. Good luck. Yeah. Just make sure that you do good by it. If if you if you if you don't live up to it, then we're gonna we're gonna have have issues. And then they move into things apartment, and because it's Franklin and Valeria, they create this spatial, almost. Uh, oh God! Here's one for I knew Ryan it. Hedrick. It's coming. Uh, the TARDIS. <laughs> I knew you were gonna <laughs> oh, say God, it. God save me that I'm giving I'm paying, paying uh, homage to something in Doctor Who. But yeah, yeah that right. idea that you. It looks like an apartment from outside, but when you walk in, it's it's. Well, I think it's that's that's very it's cool. I think that lab. that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's a plus one in in slots category. That's very yeah. inventive. Yeah, that's what I would expect from Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah. yeah, it is what it is. It feels like nobody's talking about the book. I I just I wanted to, to dust it off and see what's doing, uh, and it's it's fine. It's it's yeah. All right, maybe I'll give it a look. See. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Why not? this this kind of opened a door then. Um, I was going to wait until I read a few more issues, but since I did start it, um, I have, as of today, because I didn't update the, um, the reading list, but I read the first seven issues of Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man. Look at us reading seven issues of books that we hadn't been reading. Right? Um, <laughs> I'm going to call the show notes for this one. Back to basics. <laughs> Fantastic Four, Amazing Spider-Man, and then I screw up the formula. But 
you know. Well, I was going to go down a different road with um and kick it off with, with an indie book, but since it's Jason was there and, and you know, first of all, shout out to uh to Brian Compton because he, he was nice enough to he You mean Brian's straight out of Compton. That's true. Um he uh <laughs> he really, really doesn't want me to miss the boat on this and uh because of that he sends me the the codes from when he gets his issues and and so i'm able to so i have i still have a bunch to go through um because i have whatever the latest uh the latest hunted issue was that um that he sent me uh, a couple days ago uh, but i found it, what what i've realized reading the first five issues because i did i read the free comic book day issue i read the first issue and that's when i figured i'm not feeling it and after that first arc i i still and the first arc was five issues which is way too long but my my problems still with this run um i like some of the ideas that that Spencer, I I think, I think some of the quips work, but the way he has Spidey telling, basically narrating the stories, it's almost as though it's it's a flashback, or he's telling you things that have already happened instead of being in the moment. And um, I'm not really feeling that setup. The the issues um, six and seven with the. Uh, Umberto Ramos art have been absolutely fantastic. And what was neat is that in those two issues, there were a couple of pages in each that um, Steve Lieber stopped by because it was just Boomerang hanging out with um, with Spidey's inferior foes playing playing poker. Um, so it was a callback to the series that, that Nick and Steve had worked on. But it's um, I'm still not keen on the boomerang as a roommate um a lot of what it felt like at the beginning in the first few issues of what, what nick was trying to do i guess was was not not so much erase everything that slot was working on but just kind of like what what i you know give props to jeff johns for doing with with like establishing hal re-establishing him um spencer seems i i just by reading this my guess is that Spencer really longs for the days of when Peter and Mary Jane were married. And then he kind of wants to just reshuffle everything back to where that's kind of their relationship, even though everything else is modern and present day, he still wants to treat these Spider-Man issues. It's it's, um, but yes. So Peter and, and, and after all, after everything that slot has done after whatever, um, Bendis had did in and um Iron Man. Mary Jane is just like, you know, I always come back to you and you're the love of my life and and oh, you know, God. this is I I yes, it but it, it, it that's exactly how I felt, bro. But it was it was, you know, she's like cause cause the first arc, Peter and Spider Man are split apart from each other. So never mind the science of that. It it, it involves Kurt Connors and and a genome splicer and um and the Taskmaster shows up with Black Ant, and and they try to steal it, uh, or do they? But when during the whole fracas, the 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 experiment goes off, and that's what separates Peter 
and our hero. And over time, we find out that um, whereas Peter is all about the responsibility, Spider-Man is only all about the power. And he has no idea who the hell Uncle Ben is. Uh, basically, everything that happens after um, he becomes Spider-Man, that's all this this dude in this mask knows. We never see him without the mask, so we don't know if it was just, you know, a filled Spider-Man costume. We didn't get into that part of it, but um, Peter implores Spider-Man, you know, we do have to um, reconnect. We have to merge again because well, they'll eventually die if they stay separated. Um, like I said, five issues, that was extremely drawn out for that arc, but um, we get past that, and I, I, I really did enjoy six and seven, again, because of the Ramos arc, but also because it was more or less just Peter doing Peter things. Boomerang wanted to take him to the bar with no name for a trivia night because the questions were all about Spider-Man. And since um, Robbie Robertson told Fred Boomerang that, uh, you know, Peter is still tight with Spidey. Um, and, and Peter's like, you know, some may say that I know more about Spider-Man than he does himself. And, and that gave Fred the great idea to bring him to the bar for trivia night. So he would cash in on, um, on the prize money. And the, the relationship between these two, it, it, it warmed me up to, to Boomerang and the whole mm-hmm. concept, because I guess the whole thing is because Boomerang apparently has been pardoned. He had a hand in in uh, Secret Empire and, um, and I guess, the Civil War. So all of that... Um, his, oh, his so he's criminal, not a thug anymore? He's... Well, he... Um, he hasn't... Aside from that, that, that first issue where he ran off with, with, with something from a vault and Kingpin let him go, um, he's kind of just been... Uh, a scrub lounging around the house, eating, you know, the Peter's brownies, not washing the towels, just basically, you know, being the roommate from hell. Mm. Um, and he's hanging out with, um, with other villains at the bar with no name, but the, um, he's, he really is from, from what I've seen so far, seven issues in, it seems that he is, uh, or at least he's on, he has somewhat reformed. Um, he's, he's really trying to convince everybody that he's not the type of person he was, um, back then. So we'll see if that continues. Um, I've talked about, I mean, I mentioned Umberto's art, which is fantastic as always on the Spidey book. I wasn't really feeling, um, Ryan Otley's work on the first five issues. Uh, it's just, I'm not, his, his Spidey doesn't look too bad. It's, it's, it's. Definitely a mix of the um, Bagwell Bushima with, with with the hint of the McFarlane era style Spidey, but um, the rest of the cast I, I don't find it's it's almost like he's using Kirsten Dunst's model for Mary Jane's. I'm just I'm mm. not feeling Mary Jane at all. She got all, all floppy Toronto. boobs. She's just it's just I'm, it's like this was supposed to be a model, so maybe Ooh. a hand model. But so she's. Um, Messing with my girl MJ, that's fucked up. Well, hey, I'm not drawing her. No, I'm saying he's messing with her. That's yeah, I know, I know. I if know. MJ's yeah. your girl, you better get tested for STDs. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow, we've been through this before. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, so, uh, so, uh, so, 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 so I'm, I'm let Brian know I'm going to because listen, he he's been sending me these codes for a while, and and I wanted to read it on the plane to chicago that didn't happen and then we've had you know we, we had 
Kelly on the show before that. We were cramming for Matt. So there were a lot of things going on. We got books of the month. So I, I didn't want to just read an issue or two. Mm-hmm. I had to get back to it. I'm trying to binge it. And okay. um, I just, you know, I still want to thank the dude. And yeah, I'm, I'm still reading it. I'll continue on with issue eight. Um, when we're done tonight and, and I'll, I'll keep going. Cause I want to get up to the hunted storyline. I want to see, um, see, see what plans, uh, Spencer has because there were some things that were happening in the first few issues that um, were definitely kind of just like one page teasers that you could um, you knew were building up to something and there's also some some weird looking rotting corpse dude who uh, has I guess kind of granted people not so much wishes but have have made things possible for for people and and he's the type of person where actually the current mayor, Wilson Fisk, uh, actually bent the knee to. So we got to find out what, what really is this character's story as well. So, yeah, um, I, again, I, I ain't going to lie. It was rough for me to get past the first few issues. But mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, and we'll see what happens once he's back to being Spidey and hanging out with the roommates and whatnot. But I thought seven, mm-hmm. seven were, were definite improvement. Uh, we'll see where it goes from here. But yeah, there you go. I'm guessing the rotting character's tombstone. I don't. Well, tombstone. Well, I haven't read it. I'm just guessing. Morales, Spider-Man. Hmm. Looking tombstone has has appeared in in the Miles Morales book. Oh, okay. So, okay. so this is just is true, yeah. kind of lies, and uh, yeah, it looks like it's wrapped up in blue bandages. Um. Mendel Strom returned. I mean, there's a, obviously Spencer's done his homework. He's he's familiar with you know Spidey's history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I understand. He's he's a student of the game. I, I I respect you know that this is what he's doing. And um, you know, like Vin said, you know, everybody should be able to eke out a, a decent Superman sure. or story. And and I, I'm sure everybody's got a Spider-Man story. I just I'm not. And it's not even like, oh, we're going it, to, it, it's, it's a combination of, of a bunch of things. If it was just like, I'm returning everything back to the way it was before one more day. Okay. That's, that's one thing. But, but then it's, it's the way he's telling the stories. It's, it's Ryan's art. It, it's little things here and there that he, we know that, you know, he's, he's, he was a highfalutin captain of industry and, and, and has lost his job with the bugle and has been accused of plagiarism. And, and now he's trying to earn back his doctorate with, I, um, with the help of Dr. Kurt Connors. So, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's Spencer is definitely working his way out of whatever whole slot put him in by leaving that way. And that's, and, and I appreciate, I, I like it when, you know, someone said uh, Bendis did it with Brubaker by leaving Matt in jail. It, it's just, you know, so I like it when someone's got to make do with what, how it's been given to them. So, um, yeah, it's just, so yeah, what I'm saying is it's just a lot of things piled on top of each other is, is what kind of causes me to just shrug at it from time to time. But um, I'll keep going. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I'll never read it. Uh-huh. But you're going to tell us all about uh, the the Iron Man run. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Still- no, and th- the reason why I'll never read it is because, oddly to me, 
that stamp that he put on Invincible is indelible. Whenever I think Invincible, I think Ryan Otley. Right. Sure. Right? That first couple issues of Amazing that I read felt like characters in the Invincible universe doing a skit of the Amazing Spider-Man. It felt wrong. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get past the... It's like if, if Dave Sim did an extended run of Spider-Man. It would feel like the Cerebus universe characters doing... a. A, a play about Spider-Man or like say, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like Mignola. If Mignola was drawn Amazing Spider-Man, it would feel like Spider-Man in the Hellboy universe. It just doesn't feel right. These 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 artists are so pervasive on what they do, these long extended runs, that it just doesn't feel right when I thought mm-hmm. he was a, a horrible choice for artists. I mean, he's totally capable, but and that's not the point, the, the, or that's not the problem. The problem is that Myself and I'm sure a bunch of other people immediately associate him with Invincible. You can't separate yeah. the two, you know, and yeah. it just doesn't work for me. Sure. So, yeah. Okay. You want to get excited? I'd love to. All right. And the only reason why I say that, aside from this, this book is phenomenal, is that it's the catchphrase of the main character. His catchphrase is, get excited. And when he's talking about, when he's compelling you to get excited, it's usually, more often than not, for science. Get excited mm-hmm. for science. I got caught up on Dr. Stone from um, Viz. I read volume three and volume four, written by Richiro Inagaki and art by the amazing Boichi. Do you remember what? That's my Boichi right there. That's right. He's your Boichi. <laughs> Do you remember the 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 premise of Doctor Stone? I, I won't cry if you don't. I talked about it before. Remember the premise? I know you've talked about it before, but you got to refresh me. That's that's what I'm gonna do. Everybody on the planet is turned to stone. Remember, um, three thousand seven hundred years after the fact, the main character, an extremely bright um, high schooler named Senku revives and he he uh goes to through the steps of his location the the environment in which he his petrified um or his stone light his stone encased body was where it resided and he deduced that because it was in a cave the bat guano combined with other things to melt or or wear away the stone and he was able to to crack that stone magic shell it's not a complete um these these people that are turned to stone it's not all the way through so it's just like a, a, a magic shell of of stone and then he and his uh classmate taiju they wanted to well taiju was in love with this girl Uzuria, remember I told him he, he was going to tell her um, that he loved her, and then everybody turned to stone, so 3,700 years of consciousness. These characters were aware and awake within the stone for 3,700 years. You would think they would be insane, right? But they're not. And um, they revive the, uh, his, the, the girl, Uzuria, and they find themselves in this... this um, post-apocalyptic setting which it's kind of like eden there's no industry there's no science there's there's no fossil fuels or anything it's it's basically back to the stone age right and there are predators so 
both Senku. Senku's not a, a fighting man. He's a thinker. But Taiju's a pretty buff dude, but not when it comes to roaming bands of, of, of lions. So what they do is they revive the strongest person they knew, which was a, a, a boy named Sukasa. He is... is uh, He's got a sister named Mikasa? Yeah. No. He, he's a great fighter. So they said, well, you know, we got this formula. Let's, let's, let's revive him. And, and then, you know, he'll help us out. And he does. He, 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 um, eradicates the predator problem. But, and here's where the, the, the whole premise of this series comes in. Sanku wants to rebuild society in a science based, um, trajectory where Sukasa thinks, no, man, that's not a good idea because look where science got us. We're, mm-hmm. we're back at step one. And Senku um, kills, or I'm sorry, Sukasa kills Senku in, in volume two, but he doesn't really kill him. There was a piece of stone on the back of his neck, and that saved him, blah, blah, blah. So there, uh, uh, Sukasa still believes that he's killed Senku. So he goes on his own way. So now the party splits up. You have Senku goes out on his own. And Taiju and Yuzuria go out on their own, and mm-hmm. uh, they, they're doing this reconnaissance thing. And so in Volume 3 and 4, you don't see any of Taiju and Yuzuria. They're gone. We don't know what's, what they're doing. It, it mainly focuses on Senku. And in volume th- the end of Volume 2, Senku saves a woman named Kohaku. And she reveals that you know, she, she sees all his science that he's employing to rescue her pulleys and, and levers and winches and everything. And she's like, you're a magic user. You're a sorcerer. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm just, this is just science. And she's like, what science? I don't know what that is. Turns out Kohaku is from a village of descendants from people who have escaped their stone prison. And Senku's like, this can't be. This is insane. I thought we were the only people... Um, a lot. What take me there? And um, she takes him to the village, but he can't set foot. The village has rules. He can't set foot in the village because he's an outsider. Outsiders are banned from being in the village. So he's like, okay. Um, turns out Kohaku has a sister, Ruri, and she's the shamaness of the this this uh, clan. But she's sick. She has this. She has something that causes her to be very weak and cough, and and we you can't lose the shamanist. So Senku's like, okay, I'm going to win these people over. I'm going to cure your sister. And Kohaku's like, well, what do you mean? So Senku devises a plan to cure, to make antibiotics to help cure the sister. Now, you're talking Stone Age, or roughly there around. How the hell would you make antibiotics? He makes a plan. He says, okay, first of all, we need iron. And they they get magnetic rock, and they go in the, the riverbed or the, the stream, and it sucks up all of the iron chips, the iron fragments within this, the stream. And he builds a, a furnace to, to melt all these chips down into an iron bar. But he doesn't have enough people to work the baffles. So he tries to razzle-dazzle people with his science to, to show them, like, this stuff is real. You know, we need help. And one of the people that he gets, he wins over was this guy called Chrome. That's his name, Chrome. 
um, who's like a budding, a budding scientific explorer, he, he has a natural uh, capacity for science, right? And they do this science battle within the book. Like they, they have a, a science off where uh, Chrome is like, I'm going to show you I'm a great sorcerer. And he goes, watch. And he, he, there's a fire nearby. And he, he waves his hand and he makes the, the flames turn color. And he does it three times. And Senku's like, what, do you think I'm stupid? You threw mm-hmm. copper, salt, and sulfur in there. You, that's it. and he's like, oh, what? You know of of copper, salt, and sulfur? It's like so. This this kid has been collecting things that he finds interesting, and he's got a storehouse of like all these minerals and 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 stuff. So he Senku eventually wins over, and they make the iron. But then they have to they have to make a strong magnet, along with electricity and copper and phosphorus, would lead to sodium hydroxide. And salt, and like there's a, a roadmap within the book that shows them starting with iron, and the the goal is um, sulfonamides to make the the antibiotics. And you would think this is really the most boring shit you've ever read, right? But it's not. It's like Mister Wizard in comic book form. These kids are the, they're so compelling. The characters, and there's there's some fighting in here, right? But um, it's all the science is real. That's what's cool about this. You will learn shit as you read this book. And I, mm. fi- I find it fascinating, right? There's two brothers that guard the bridge to get into the village, Kinro and Jinro. And Kinro is a great fighter. And in fact, the village, once every generation, has this thing called the Grand Bout, where the winner of the Grand Bout becomes clan leader and takes the hand of the daughter of the current leader in marriage. And wouldn't you know that the current leader of the clan, the daughter, is Ruri, the, the ill shamaness, right? So there's this um, bout to, to, to win the hand of marriage of this girl, and this um, Kinro guy is the favored to beat a character called Magma. He's a huge, like, mountain of a man, but he's a dickhead. He goes, I'm going to win. I don't give a shit if Ruri lives or dies. I want to be clan leader. In fact, I hope she dies sooner rather than later so I could just be clan leader because I don't really need her. And she's gorgeous. Oh, my God. You see the way Boichi draws her? She is exquisite. Like, this guy, I've said it before, Boichi has a command of the female form in the same... Now, I'm not comparing them side by side, so don't Mm -hmm. get all crazy. He has... A Dave Stevens type unique mm-hmm. approach to theme like the the women are just ungodly and it's a teen book so it's not there's no nudity in it there's cheesecake and he places body parts at very advantageous um, locations to block like they don't have underwear in this land so when huh, convenient no when Kohaku's doing her her fighting you know her dress kind of moves around a little bit. Right, and you don't see anything because the the foot will be strategically placed over the crotch where you know you can't see it, or you just see just a little bit of the arc of the buttocks where he mm-hmm. makes it enticing but not explicit, you know. So it's it's good, it's cheesecakey, but it's gorgeous, right? So this Kinro guy is the favored to beat Magma, but and here's what the problem is: Kinro has a problem with his vision, and um, 
what Senku did was he kind of got a bearing on it and he said, okay, I'm going to do something for you, my buddy. And he takes his spear and Senku gets cinnabar, which is the Philosopher's Stone. He extracts the mercury from it. He mixes the mercury with gold dust and he heats it. And he, in, a, in, a, in a essence, he gold plates Kinro's spear. So when the guy moves the spear, he sees the glint on it and his eyes, like he, he, his eyes can focus better because of the bright light at the, so he knows where the tip of his spear is, where otherwise he was, he was farsighted. Or, no, he was nearsighted. He couldn't see the tip of his spear to fight. You know, so he's smart. And it's just, that's, there are things like that in the book all over the place where science helps Sanku win people over to his cause, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a Loki in the book too. It's not Loki, but the the guy's name is Gen Asagiri, and he's planted by Sukasa to learn if Senku was really dead. He sends him out and he goes, "Go find out if this guy's you know I killed him, but I just want to make sure." And he's he's a very uh, self centered, very uh, entrepreneurial spirit where he'll play any side. He he wants to play for the side that wins, and since. Senku's goal is to create electricity. He remembers what it was like pre-apocalypse, and he wants all the creature comforts, right? So he's now he's siding for now with Senku, and I believe that's going to change. But mm-hmm. if you want to read a book that's a singular experience, like I haven't read anything in recent memory that's like this Dr. Stone. There's a, a little girl um, named Suika, and she, it's, okay, now this is where it gets in the typical manga uh, ca- category or territory. She wears a melon on her head. And she won't show her face at all. She, she walks around with this giant melon on her head. And Sanku's like, what's the deal with this kid? What's going on? Why won't she show her face? And they're like, well, she, we've never seen her face. She won't take the melon off. So he takes the melon off and she's all squinty. Right? Her eyes are all squinty. She's like, don't look at me. I'm horrible. And Sanku's like, you're not horrible. You just can't see right. And he makes her, I he makes her lenses, and he puts the lenses in the melon. And now she's like she's she's like one of his secret weapons. She she's his scout. She goes out. And she she gets gathers information for him. It's like crazy good. Read Doctor Stone. It is amazing. And if you like good figure drawing, and who doesn't, right? It, it, there's that's the bonus. Like the men are muscular and larger than life, and and. They're all real handsome, but the women, oh, good God. The women are gorgeous in this thing. Musculature. Yeah, and it's it's only nine ninety nine a volume for uh, like 200 pages around there. Currently on volume four, I think you should uh, investigate. If you like science and if you like beautiful creatures, then uh, give Dr. Stone a try. I love it. Word up. Yeah. So good. You love that manga. And you'll learn something. What? You'll learn something despite yourself. Because like, there's, there's no way you can read this and not learn about chemistry or, or physics or um, earth sciences. There's absolutely no way. And he's the, Spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, he's subtle and sly, and you'll learn even while you're reading this great narrative about the struggle to rebuild society. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's great. Great stuff. Right on. Yep. Get stoned. Get excited. And get stoned. There you go. So what, should we bring this baby home? I'm figuring our in your travels will be at least a half hour. Sure. All right.
everybody. Bonus episode, you know. Yeah, this is gravy. This episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by our patrons. They are so wonderful. And uh, you could be one of them, should you choose to do so, uh, after perusing our Patreon page. And that's patreon.com forward slash 11 O'Clock Comics, one one, no apostrophe. Lots of good stuff's coming uh, in the works. Um, whenever we get the ball rolling, we got new shirts and coasters and and uh, mouse pads and mugs and all that other shit. But uh, we have to decide on when we when we gonna do that. But we got to we got to work on that. But it's it's all in the works. We all got it coming. And plus, there's the existing stuff, which is voluminous to begin with. So get there. Patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics. Okay. In your travels, um, real quick, I have a uh, homework assignment for both of you. Oh. And I, I don't want to talk about it, anything other than telling you to read it. It's only okay. one issue. It's only one single issue. Mm-hmm. I want you to read, please, 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 Mary Shelley, Monster Hunter, number one. Oh, I got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's written by Adam Glass and Olivia Quartero Briggs, but mm-hmm. it's illustrated by Hayden Sherman. It it is one of the most beautiful books I've seen in a long, 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 long time. Okay. Yes. So read that. You got it, man. But that's not my in your travels, and I won't spoil anything for for Jason or David because I don't believe I've seen this on the list. But I want you to read, uh, written by Louis Trondheim and Chris, illustrated by Martin Tristram, colors by Tristram and Hubert. Infinity 8, Volume 4, Numbers 1 and 2. Well, I, I read it in hardcover, so... All right. The Necropolis is still there. Sure. Well, it's going to be there for all eight volumes. I right. See. That is the central theme, that Necropolis, that's stopping the Infinity 8 from, from its journey. But um, Volume 4 focuses on a Nubian goddess mm. in, in the... Uh, the spotlight. Is her name Renee? Her name, well, no. <laughs> but her name, because that's the only Nubian goddess he knows. Her, her name is Patty Stardust. And Which she's going to be she, his wife's name. She's an undercover agent. She, she She's a stage manager for a, what I'm guessing is a performance art group called the Symbolic Gorillas. Mm-hmm. And they don't permit recording devices at their events they don't know they they don't announce their events beforehand they're like um what are those stores that pop up and go away um pop-up stores yeah there you go pop-up stores they're they're (laughs) like they're like a pop-up performance art group they don't tell you Mm -hmm. where they don't tell you when until they're doing it right no recording devices and she's working undercover for this group with this group because uh, there's a billionaire um, funding the the escapades of the group, and he, his name is Mister Lead, and he's a giant fish with with tentacles for an ass. So we got some black exploitation going on here. Very much so. Yeah, a little like coffee, a little Foxy Brown action. Oh, very much. Yeah. 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 She she got a big ass afro, and she when she puts her her helmet on, her space helmet on, there's about a fraction of an inch between her afro and the space helmet. It's so well done. Um, she's undercover because this Mr. Lead is a weapons trafficker, and she wants to bring him down. So she's posing as a stage manager, and then you got this um, 
vlogger named Moosh, who's who's tailing her and he's trying to get all information on her. Push comes to shove, she, she goes into the necropolis. And I'm only going to say one thing, and this is to get anybody who hasn't read this series to read it. She's in the necropolis, and there's a there's an artifact floating around, a giant artifact, and she she's bugged. Her 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 camera, her her audio, every motion that she makes in the Necropolis is being monitored not only by the lieutenant aboard the Infinity, but mm-hmm. um, someone within the uh, the gorillas. And she comes upon this artifact, and it's a giant turntable, a, a vinyl record, on a on a, uh, a circular platform, and em- emerging from the vinyl record are guitar necks. And they're looking at it, and it's like, what the, what the hell is this? And the guy says, oh, it's the 27 Club. Aha. Uh-huh. Brian Jones, Alan Wilson, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Robert Johnson, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, and Amy Winehouse. There you go. That's all I'm going to say. You need to read this. This so far, you, this you is, didn't need to sell us on this one. Well, not you. Yeah. I'm talking to them, the listener. Sure. Um, this so far is the most in my wheelhouse of the. I mean, it's all been near and dear to me, but this one really massages that that special spot. Yeah, it sounds great. Yep. Read it can't, from from the wait. Lion Forge, Infinity Eight. Yep. Can't beat it. Take it away. In your travels, um, this is something I decided to give a shot. Um, saw it and figured, what the hell? I um, I'm kind of keen on uh, on Philip Bond's work since uh, the Escapists, and I am talking about. Eve Stranger, number one, from Black Crown, uh, NIDW, written by David Barnett, uh, colors by Eva Dela Cruz. It is somewhat of a, if you were going to do the whole elevator pitch type thing, it would be something like Memento meets the Bourne Identity franchise. Mm. Um. Eve is a very fetching young lass who um, wakes up in a hotel room completely confused with a uh, with a box uh, very similar to an EOC care package with a uh, letter inside. <laughs> um, You're so weird. Good product placement. You are so weird. It's like almost like a Starbucks cup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um and and she has a slight flashback to who might possibly be her father, um, and she's a very very young girl at that point. We're just seeing it through her point of view. But she uh, when she wakes up in the hotel room, she's reading this letter, letting her know that you know this is what's going to happen. Um, this is why there's a gun on the bed. This is um, here's the the credit card you're going to use. Here's some cash. Um, you must. Uh, check into the hotel um, by next Thursday and and there's no if, if you do not make it to this hotel room you will die um, because 
there's a syringe in the room that you'll inject. Now, um, while she's reading this room service, knocks on the door, enters the room. Um, but the letter says, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to remember a lot of things about your life, about your day to day. And um, you may realize, you know, some things, but not everything. A lot of it's going to just be a complete blank to you. But just keep in mind that you never order room service and uh she turns around roundhouse is the waiter uh who has a name tag it's a gentleman with a mustache but his name tag says uh hi my name is cynthia and he drops his gun so right away now she's completely on the run um she runs downstairs but she's right away she's just completely trying to understand everything so she runs downstairs to uh, the front desk has him call the cops, brings everybody up to her room. He was, he, he, I, I tied him up. I put him in the closet. He's there now. Come get him. And the entire hotel room is clean. There's no, no waiter with the name tag of Cynthia. Nothing's going on in there. There's absolutely nothing that, that, that would let anybody know that anything happened in this room. But as, uh, as the cops and the hotel manager are walking away, he says that they tells the cops that she stayed here before about six months back and, and back then she was just, you know, making a big scene, completely carrying on, you know, someone was trying to poison her. Um, so between that conversation and her, things aren't clear at all yet. Um, she goes to see a, um, the letter says you, you, you may be tempted to seek medical assistance and you really shouldn't do that because they're probably going to want to draw blood and they really shouldn't do that because when they do the vial explodes and she just beats feet out of there we cut to a um a, a an office building and, and an office where uh someone barges into uh, his boss's office says um says the pill came and there's no return address. All it says is it's from the Eve Project. And the card attached to the pill says you must ingest. So the boss hands it to the lackey. And he says, you know, you got to take the bloody pill. So, so the guy's like, well, all right, I mean, sure, I'll, I'll go ahead and take it. And when he takes the pill, you're told, welcome to the Eve Project, E-V-E. And congratulations on reaching the next stage of the bidding process. And you're about to access all the relevant information and guidelines you need to advance your bid. This is all happening. The, the guy just sees this in his mind's eye. But one of the rules is that you cannot tell anybody about what you're seeing. And the boss is demanding the guy tell him. So as soon as the guy starts to tell him what the pill is offering him um basically his head just implodes and and the boss is now requesting another pill and another lackey so they can go forward again we go back to eve she buys a motorcycle um she passes someone in an alley who then gets on the phone so this is probably someone who's following her um and it's just I absolutely love, like I said, I, I, I love Bond's art. Uh, Eve has to, Eve ends up saving some kids. Um, and she shows up at that hotel by Thursday. Um, and 
again, it's another hotel that uh, she's frequented before. So we also under the impression that there's a bit of a routine that she goes through. So I, I'm completely hooked with this first issue. I bounced around a little bit, but I, I really hope people give this a read. I dug it tons. I, I think it looks great. I dig the premise. Um, and, and I'm hoping I'm going to enjoy where it's going. Nice. Good. That one panel where she's getting on the bike is masterful. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I've always really in- enjoyed Bond's work. I think he's a he's a monster. Did mm-hmm. you ever read his Invisible stuff? I've he- never read any Invisibles. Oh, okay. There you go. If you have some time, you got a long stretch. You should. Yeah. Yeah. But that her ass, the way her the fabric holds her ass is great. Cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good stuff. Nice. Well, I um. I'm pretty stoked about this one. It's uh, it's a, an original graphic novel that came out last year, uh, published through. Hold on, it's a it's a book publisher. Hold on, let me make sure I get it right here. It's Gallery Thirteen, but I believe that is an imprint of. I'll get back to you. Oh, there you go, Simon and Schuster. Uh, it is Bad Girls, written by Alex DeCampi with art by Victor Santos, and. The uh, headline reads, $6 million, 12 hours to get out of Cuba. So, talked about Victor Santos a few weeks ago when I talked about the Polar uh, origin graphic novel that I read and enjoyed. For those that aren't familiar with him, he's also done uh, Mice Templar. And uh, he's he's of the same school as the Michael Avon Oming, um, Bruce Tim. Darwin Cook vein. Um, again, I'm not suggesting he's as good or 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 a clone of those guys, but he's yeah. the same kind of, of school. You got to do uh, that. What's that? You always got to do that because people think like, oh, what do you mean? He's just just as good as you know. And they they do yeah that. yeah yeah yeah. But but I think Victor's a fantastic, and 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 this book is if you're a fan of the Parker novels, you're going to be a fan of this. It is a crime OGN. That centers, as you might guess from what I already said, uh, it's the it's the fit 1950s Cuba. It actually takes place on New Year's Eve in 1958, which, for you history nuts, you'll know that that is the actual day when Fulgencio Batista uh, left Cuba. He was the dictator at the time uh, because Fidel Castro took over. So, um, set in that historical backdrop, we have a story that revolves around four women. Um, you've got, uh, and, and, a, and a, a nightclub called El, El Edin, with the, basically the Eden. So you've got the, um, they're, they're a bit of a, a stereotype in their characterizations in the sense that you've got, you've got a lounge singer, you've got a mambo queen, you've got a gangster's girlfriend, and then you've got the young ingenue who's just looking for, um, celebrities and, and, and stargazing the, the tourist uh, and each of them for their own reasons has motivation to get the F out of Cuba. Now complicating their scenario is that, as I just alluded, this is not the right day to be needing to get out of Cuba because uh, there's a middle there's a, they're in the middle of a revolution and everybody's trying to get out of Cuba. But um, regardless of all that uh, shit goes down and the way the book is done, each chapter is uh, an hour of the night. 
so you start off 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., so forth. Uh, and you take you, you see where each of these women, what they're up to over the course of the night. And uh, at some point, they're, they all are motivated to, to get out of town together. Uh, and they have six suitcases full of dirty money of millions of dollars, a million dollars, six million dollars. Um, but one of the cool things about this is they're not buddies. This isn't a, a, a buddy crime thing where they team up. They, they all are 100% self-motivated. Um, and they're not friends. They're not, they're just, they're, they're victims of circumstance because they all have things that go wrong that night and need to get out of town. They, uh, are the loosest of allies, but when you have, there's no honor among thieves, right? So, um, so things, let's just say things don't go according to plan for any of them. Um, and the art is just unbelievable. It's, it's, as I said, you could, you could hand this to someone and say, if Darwin Cook hadn't passed away and he had been asked to curate a line of, of, of crime novels that were evocative of what he was doing with the Parker novels, you would, you could be handed this and think, Oh, this is perfect. Um, the, 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 the colors are great. The, the Victor draws, I mean, these women, much like Bruce Timm's women they're it's, it's simple line work, but they're curvy, big, beautiful eyes. Uh, just, just gorgeous. They're you, they're beauty personified in, in cartooning and um, and they're all listen, they're bad bitches. They're, they all have <laughs> necessities, the mother of invention, and they all take care of their business in very violent ways because they have to to try and, and get out of the situations that they're put in. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's it's a fantastic um, self-contained couple hundred pages. And I, I certainly won't spoil what happens to each of the women, but as I said, things don't go according to plan, and um, the 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 artwork is just a sight to behold. Because yeah. Santos, he does just fantastic work with the layouts. It's it's got this 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 pop art aesthetic, um, and he uses a lot of different lettering and fonts as part of the um, as as part of the story, and it just it all works so well together. It, it it's just beautiful stuff, um, and. Uh, I just I love when when uh, the typography is a part of the entire visual narrative. So it's not just about the word balloons. It's it's that all the sound effects, all of the headers or the settings, the setting labels are all just integrated graphically into the panel layouts. Um, and I just think uh, it's masterful work. I I don't know. I don't remember hearing much about this book last year when it came out. Which is a bummer because uh, it certainly deserves a lot of love. Um, Looks great. It's it's beautiful. It's really it's fantastic. And like I said, it's it's just I can't see if you if you if you didn't if you like the Parker books, I, I think you'd absolutely adore this. Um, and there's just these little things like there's one moment where um, <laughs> uh, it's like the littlest thing that the in the opening chapter the uh, the gangster's girlfriend. Um, her name is Carol, I should say. Uh, she's in her dressing room in just a white corset and panties and uh, uh, leggings, getting dressed, getting ready to get dressed to go over to the club because her boyfriend is the owner of the club. Uh, uh, and so it's time to get over there. And the driver slash bodyguard opens the door and says, are you decent, Miss Chandler? And then they, the next panel is a, a record player playing when you put your arms around me. And then there's her looking over her shoulder 
ever so longingly. And in the first panel, her um, the strap of her corset bra is hanging off of her shoulder. And then he says, are you decent, Miss Chandler? And she looks at him and she pulls the slip back over her shoulder. And then just the littlest pink lettering is the word slip under the slip. <laughs> and she just smiles and she says, sure. It just So it's just little things like that. You can picture it happening in your in a movie or something. Um, but uh, it just it brings you back to that period of time. It's like, and Dap, you would love this because, I, although I like give you and Cliff a lot of shit, I mean, this book feels very much like a 1950s uh, crime noir film uh, in the way that it's laid out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an absolute home run. Um, beautiful women, kicking ass, crime, violence. Uh, it's a heist. It's... Um, like I said, it's it's not corny in that everybody just gets away with it. Um, I'll just I'll, I'll emphasize they're not allies; they're loose allies that that don't have a lot of reason to when the going gets rough to 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 help each other out. So uh, total total home run, and um, I, I I don't know why it took me this long to discover this book. So it's called Bad Girls, and uh, it is Simon and Schuster, written by Alex DeCampi with. Victor Santos crushing it on the art. Sure is pretty. Yeah, no, it's it's freaking beautiful. Now I know you're a huge uh, Avon Oming fan, mm-hmm. as we discussed last week. Uh, I think he's good. I I I like Santos better personally, but well, Oming's more angular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I I like Santos's stuff too a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, tip of the hat to you, you pain in the butt. I got my uh, weapon brown. Oh, nice. And I'm about 100 pages into it. Mm-hmm. it it's all kinds of foul. I love it. <laughs> it is, right? Yeah. It yeah. is. It's so dirty. I didn't want to read it um, because uh, I didn't want to talk about it because why reiterate what we said, what you said last episode? But mm-hmm. I will um, put the cherry on the top of that very delicious um Sunday that you created and it's it's wonderful. Oh, nice! Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's it's so nasty. <laughs> oh. I love it when, when what he calls his sister. I'm I'm not going to repeat it, but mm-hmm. giant letters. You know, it's almost like a kid who mom and dad are at you know the mall and they're home all alone and they can say whatever they want mm-hmm. and he's just dropping every bit of piece of foul language that he possibly can into this thing. It's, well, and I have to say it was. Very satisfying and endearing. Jason Youngbluth, the creator, listened to the episode. He said that he has never heard a more spirited endorsement of his work and said he thought our show was great and he would be happy to come on if we ever wanted him to come on. Well, get him on. Well, I I told what I told him was, why don't we work around, say, when his uh, the follow up comes out? Okay. Well, because it should be out soon. Good. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. Right, Dap? Yes. Yeah. Boobies. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite panel so far is when he's he's um on the booby and he's mm, he's getting into it and he's like, Whoa <laughs> wait a minute. He goes, Are you pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so silly. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, everybody. We love you for being here, and you're going to love us because we're going to be back very, very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to indulge 
yourself in more 11 o'clock comics stuff we have the multiple facebook groups the twitter thing the instagram thing we're all over the place so um dive in and in the meantime say good oh here's where it gets nasty we'll be back in two days david I am not beatboxing. What? <laughs> I don't get any props for that. That was semi-decent. You were great. I'm not going to try to do that. I don't want I don't know about great. It. it was semi-decent. It was okay. okay. I, it was I, okay. I, I, I dug it a lot. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're right. I'm not doing the whole drone out night thing either. Wow, but just putting all kinds of. I just, I'm just, to, yeah, I just. It, it's He's got it on lockdown. Fine. What it's, the hell? Oh, yeah, just David. That's <gasps> not even wow. close. Not even. I love you, but no. See, Under protest, right there. Mm. I don't know. You know what's happening? That's the 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 skill <laughs> is being leached out of the good night, David, and put into the woohoo. That's what's happening. No, I think that's right. See, yeah? I just, I, I said the good night, and I, I. While you were beatboxing, I was just saying that I wasn't going to do the whole drawn out. That was part yeah. of it. It wasn't like I didn't oh. I didn't say that again and then speed through to say David. I had already said the night. Oh, wow. So Okay. It's, it's all right. No, it's it's got all it all good. figured out, I think. And I yeah. you know, and, and I did I did come up with um with the whole uh five bands one lie. Oh you did? You did. I let's was surprised, it. yeah. I was really oh, surprised. Well let's have it then. Let's go out let's go out in style. Um Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> so we got, uh, we got Metallica. Yes. Okay. Iron Maiden. Oh. What was that last one? Breed. Oh, no. Okay. I hope for your Danzig. soul that you haven't seen them. Yeah, who else? Danzig. Fuel. Suicidal Tendencies. Wait. This is impossible. Oh, so Dave Matthews isn't on there. Oh, okay. Oh, Matthews oh. is not on there. Because so, that would be a lie. Uh, oh, you haven't seen Dave Matthews? Holy shit. Um, Sad. Okay. Wow. Uh, I don't know who I'm going to pick. I, I have no idea. Well, no one puts Creed on it unless they've actually seen them. So True. That's on there. Um, <laughs> it's almost as bad as live. <laughs> live and Creed. Woo! There's a show I'd avoid. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get weird and say fuel. Okay. I'm gonna say dancing. I can't picture that for the dancing guy. I think you're Although wrong. I'd like to. I think you're wrong. Okay. Well, uh, the lie is made. Oh, oh okay. boy. I was I was torn between saying Maiden or Floyd, but hey, um, Danzig, huh? Shit. Well, because they opened. Well, they they didn't open. They were the middle act. Uh, Suicidal Tendencies opened for Maiden uh, for Metallica, and Danzig was the middle. Oh, uh, okay. So the middle town actually. I can only imagine what that was like backstage. Oh, good lord! You Hetfield and Danzig in the same state, <laughs> and it was a middle town raceway, raceway park. It was it was nuts. Um, oh, wow. Raceway park. And, can I uh, do it again? Sure. Of course. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Cheap Trick, the Ramones, um, Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay, give me one more. Uh, I want to get one. 
that's out of the out of the, the bounds here. Um, does Eddie Murphy count when he was singing? Sure. All right, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Bruce Willis. Yeah. My girl wants to party. Yes. Um, well, clearly you must have seen Eddie Murphy because that's uh, thing yeah, to just pick out your ass. I did. Um, oof, I'm going to say... Um, Huh. Uh, I'm going to say Pearl Jam. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you've seen Sheep Trick. I'm not going to say Pearl Jam. Um, Joan Jett's kind of easy. Um, who are the other two? Ramones. <laughs> and... Uh, what was the other one? Don't you the Black Hearts, Cheap Chick, Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers? Oh, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well then, yeah, that is, um... Uh... Okay, I'll... I'm wrong. I'll say Joan Jett. Okay. I have never seen the Ramones. That was the, that was like the obvious one when you first said it because yeah. I thought that's a hard one to go see. But then no, I, I mean, it hurts my heart. Give credit for it so. hurts my heart. Yeah. That I, yeah. I I did run into Johnny in, at a convention in New York, and we had a good sit down and 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 talk. But I have never seen the Ramones in concert, mm. and I regret it. Speaking of the Chili Peppers, Holden is in love with the Chili Peppers. Good for him. He was showering last night, wailing the chili peppers. I was like, "What is going on over here?" What was he singing? Uh, it was Californication. Oh, <laughs> well, he's young. I was like, well, either way, I'm like, "Damn, look at you!" Yeah, yeah. I saw the Chili Peppers four times. Uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen them twice. That last album's great. Long I, time, I know a lot of people shit on it. I think the Getaway's really good. Mm-hmm. They've changed. They're more mature. They're more adult. Yeah. You know, it's not freaky styly, but they're still good. And I saw Pearl Jam twice, Cheap Trick six times, Oof. Joan Jett once, and um, what other one did I say? Eddie Murphy once, unfortunately. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We driving this bus home. Let's get out of here. <laughs> uh, stop, our stop's coming up. Thank you, people, for being here with us. We love you so much. Big hugs. Come back in two days, three days, three days, because we're doing it all again. Two days? Today's Tuesday. Yes, I thought it was yesterday. Two days. I don't know what we're going to talk about, (laughs) but I'm sure we'll have something. I got a list. Oh, good for you. Pick up my slack. And uh, we just love you. Let them out of the bus, guys. Peace and love. Be good.